a month ago today, we were all uh, celebrating the 4th of July. My daughter-in-law, their family and our family got together. They came over, hung out at our house and had lunch. <clears throat> then later they wanted us to come over to their house and have dinner. And Jan's father bought some sparklers. Now, when I was a kid, I mean, most of you probably saw all the fireworks that went on everywhere. There was fireworks going on for hours. When we were a kid in the late 50s and 60s, your fireworks was that little $10 box you bought, or $5 box. $10 was probably a huge box, but that little box that you got. And I was remembering these sparklers. When you lit those sparklers, I mean, it was like, it was a sparkler. Well, Jen's dad had bought, he's bought like $20 worth of sparklers, right? And they could barely even light them. And then when they were holding it, the little niece that was holding it, Jen's niece, it was like a match strike was brighter than that, you know? And I thought, how disillusioning things are. And I want to talk about disillusioned, being disillusioned. Disillusioned, the definition is being disappointed in someone or something, being disenchanted and let down. Maybe you're disillusioned about your relationships. Uh, maybe they started great, but something happened. There, there is a reality that is different than our expectations and what we have about something. Again, you know, I just had a couple things about, you know, last week, the Gilroy thing. A couple weeks before, the Ford shooting. Now, yesterday, El Paso, and today, another, sh another shooting. You know, being Christians, I think most of us had, had a pretty good life. I know when I was growing up, none of this stuff happened in the 60s and 70s when I was in church. I, I think a lot, a lot of times right now, because the world is saying, where is God when all this is happening? that Christians become disillusioned like the world. We are not to be disillusioned about what we see going on. In fact, in fact, we are supposed to get more excited. It says when we begin to see these things happen in the end times that we are supposed to get excited because our redemption is getting closer and closer. What Jesus said is about ready to happen. The Bible says that a spirit of lawlessness is at work. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, it says the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. It's a demonic activity. It's a demonic activity from Satan himself. And his fallen angels are working to destroy hope and cause people to become very fearful and disillusioned about God and about life. Second Timothy warned us in uh, 3, 1 through 4, Paul warned, but, now th but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Can you say we're in perilous times? Men will be lovers of themselves, uh, selfishness is more than ever. I remember uh, just the other night uh, when Brevin was giving his uh, little sermon in our speaking class, he said, everywhere we go, people are so offended nowadays. There's no more love, like uh, Vonnie was saying today. People are offended easily about everything. People are striking out in anger. People are lover, have lo uh, they're lovers of money. They're boasters. We see pr more than ever before the boastings, the, the proud, People are blasphemers. I think we hear the Lord's name used out in the world more than we use in, in our own lives. They're disobedient to parents. They're unthankful and unholy. I just want to encourage you, those of you who are moms and have young children and you're raising kids, you are raising kids in such a hostile environment. 
the spirit of rebellion, that hostile spirit of lawlessness is even working. And you may even see it in your kids. It may overwhelm you. You hang in there. You keep praying over them and seeking God about them. You keep speaking the truth into their lives. You keep bringing them to church because God is going to be that which counters whatever the enemy is trying to do to your kids. People are unholy and unthankful. They're unloving. They're unforgiving. They're slanderers without self-control. They're brutal. They're despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Boy, how can something written 2,000 years ago can be so accurate? It could be in the newspaper today. People, this is the reality of who people are. In Romans 3, 10 and 12, Paul Paul reminds us what the Bible says. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There are none who understand. There is none who seek after God. They have all turned aside. They have altogether become unprofitable. There is none who is good, no, not one. <clears throat> I just love this because this morning, you know, I mean, during this week, I was just thinking, God, I have to speak about reality on Sunday. And uh, I felt like Oswald Chambers was just so right on because he's talking about disillusionment. He wrote this. Disillusionment means that there are no more false judgments in life. To be undeceived by disillusionment may leave us cynical and unkindly severe in our judgment of others. But the disillusionment which comes from God brings us to the place where we see men and women as they really are. And yet there is no cynicism. We have no stinging bitter things to say. Many of the cruel things in life spring from the fact that we suffer from illusions. An illusion is something that distorts our senses. And so, as Christians, we can become disillusioned. But, but what God is saying to us, don't be disillusioned. Don't compare what you're feeling and your, the disappointments about your life and what expectations you've had. Don't let that disillusion you about your faith in Jesus Christ and God's power in your life. It's almost like we have to look at the world without our rose-colored glasses anymore, <clears throat> especially as Christians. Because if we're looking for something to be different than what we want it to be as Christians and what we believe, we are going to be disillusioned. And we're going to stop believing. We're going to stop being aggressive in our prayers. We're going to be stop opening up and speaking to people about Jesus. No, it's a time to shake ourselves and not be disillusioned and just say, this is the way it is. This is the way God's word said it is going to be. This is the way it is in my time. But what do you want to do through me, God? I'm a believer. I'm light. I'm light in this dark world. Oh God, let me receive and hear from you the message that you would give me that I would say to the people around me. What am I going to say? Some of you people who are in school, what can you say tomorrow and this next week to your friends about what's going on? What opportunity when people are fearful are you going to be able to speak and say, the Lord Jesus has got this, that God is working, that God is the one who wants to take away your fear and give you hope. Jesus knows people. And John 2, 24 and 25. But Jesus would not entrust himself to the people, for he knew all people. He did not need a testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. But yet, even though Jesus knew what people were like and who they were, he still loved them. When he had called the rich young ruler to come and follow him and be a disciple, but the rich young ruler had his attention more on his riches and, and his wealth. And when he walked away, sad because he couldn't give up his life and his riches to follow Jesus. Jesus looked at him as he walked away and said, behold how Jesus loved him. What about Judas? You know, 
Judas, Jesus loved Judas. Jesus went to the cross for people like Judas. Here's what Oswald Chambers says about this. Our Lord trusted no man, yet he was never suspicious, never bitter. Our Lord's confidence in God and in what his grace could do for any man was so perfect that he had despaired of no one. Our trust is placed in human beings. We shall end in despairing of everyone if we really keep our eyes on Jesus and no longer be disillusioned. Evil happenings try to affect our faith because they penetrate our soul and they bring fear. God is with us even while evil things are happening. That's why he gave us the Bible and all the stories that we read from the Old to New Testament, the things that the apostles went through, the things about the patriarchs, what they went through in hostility and violence. And yet, God kept them. At times, God kept uh, Paul from being uh, thrown in prison or beaten. And then there were times when he was beaten. He stood in faith in a real God. He stood in confidence in, in who the Lord was in his life. And he didn't let those things bother him. When Paul was reading off, the, reading off the things he had gone through, he talked about shipwrecks and being in the day and night in the deep, being in peril of robbers. We never even think about that about back then. They had robbers back then. They had hostile environment and evil things going on back then. But those Christians who went before us walked in a faith. They walked in a confidence with God. Sometimes they went through things and suffered, and sometimes God delivered them. Our fear can't be... Uh, that we might not be delivered. Our faith must be in no matter what comes our way, no matter what we go through, we will walk in faith and we will overcome whatever comes against us. Jesus is with us. Even when we don't feel him, we can stir our faith. Faith is something that is there irregardless of what we see or feel. That's why it calls us as just people to live by faith in a living God. If we fear we will withdraw from our world in which God wants us involved, that the souls of those people around us may be saved. Think of it. The enemy's trying to intimidate us. He's trying to get us all pulled back. There's a fear that's going to grow that people are going to be afraid to go to church because something might happen. No, 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 no. The more darker it gets, the more we come together, the more we stand as believers in Jesus Christ. In Matthew 24, 12, Jesus said, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Well, if we may feel like that's trying to come upon us and our love and the love of God in us is going to try to be stamped out, we can say, no, God, fill me with your love. Drive out all fear, all anxiety, apprehension from certain types of people, and fill me with your love. And help me boldly, Lord, to be a witness of that love and reach out to people who are are going to be now more in fear. I tell you, there's fear building throughout our nation because of what's going on. Well, we've had a lot happen today. Now I have a message. Tell of my message, and really it's a, it's a question from God. Are you prepared for a faith test? Our key verse today is 1 Peter 1, 6b through 7. Peter said, Now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There are times when our faith is constantly being tested by God, and our faith comes by receiving the Word of God, by taking in the Word of God. 
it is time that we seek out and read truth for ourselves. The more the world discount this word of God as a just a, a book, just a historical book, the more we have to hold on to it and read it because it is the foundation of our faith and it is going to be what builds us in our confidence in God and strengthens us in the inner man and causes us to know what God wants and causes us to be able to discern lies from the truth, false doctrine and deception of the enemy from what is really God's truth and something that we can put our feet on and walk and stand on. There is rising as it was throughout the Bible and even as Paul warned before he passed off that there's evil deceivers and those who are counterfeit the word and those who will uh, just change the doctrine and change different things to uh, deceive people that we must know that in these days it's going to be like this, especially before he comes back. But our faith and confidence is going to be the word of God. But as you read the word of God and you let it feed your spirit and renew your mind and change you, you're going to find more of God in your life. You're going to have more of a discernment and understanding and a perception of what God's saying to you, of things that he wants you to do, and a courage to step into those things and then see the Holy Spirit help you do the very things he's asking you to do. Your faith will be tested. I'm sure all of us could say right now, we could probably start naming things that we have been tested since we came to Christ and surrendered to him. Well, Job's faith was tested in Job 1, 1 through 3. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people in the East. Job was a man of character, and many of us have read that story so many times. And in that, that whole story of Job, and uh, when he is tested, his friends are completely disillusioned because what God allows him to go through is totally contrary to who God is in his character. And it's so messed with their religiousness that they all attack Job, thinking there must be some hidden sin in him for, and for the reason for him to go such tragedy. He was a spiritual leader in his home. In Job, Job uh, 1, 4-5, his sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. <clears throat> Excuse me. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. And I think something that would jump out of that scripture for us today, all of us who have kids and those of us would, who would have children uh, come into the kingdom through our influence, that we would pay, pray for people, especially you who have children, even if they're adult, that you pray for your kids. That is the sacrifice that you do, that you spend time offering prayers to God for their protection, that they would come and have such an experience with God that it would transform their life, their character, and their very nature. And they would receive and walk in the presence of God and the reality that the blood of Jesus makes us upright and allows us to walk in relationship with God. You, as a priest over your home, is the most powerful thing you can do is pray for your family. And it is a sacrifice. It takes time. It takes effort, especially when you don't see your kids changing in any way. We are in a society that has too many quick answers, but in the things that matter, it's going to take time. Satan asks some permission. He asked God, have you considered my servant Job? Or God asked Satan, have you considered my servant Job? 
In Job 1, 6 and, uh, through verse 8, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan so came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. So that dude's still doing that today. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no, no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Right there, this is a place for all of us right now to check ourselves and see if we're disillusioned at all with God. Because maybe what you're going through is because God knows that you have faith and you're going through circumstances that are really proving that out. And you could feel a little bit angry at God when you're going through uncomfortable things and things you don't like. We get a little angry at God. We're human. We, we have real feelings and emotions. And we figure like, since we surrendered our life to God, hey, when, I, when things are not going right or my prayers are not getting answered, I can get a little upset with God. But Jesus said, blessed are we if we don't get offended in him. Why? Because he's really our ally and the only one that we, that we really have, the only one that's really working good in our life. So if you need to readjust yourself today, readjust yourself. And thanks. begin to thank God for the test you're in. You don't feel God. You're not feeling his presence. You feel like heavens are, are, are brass. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you put a faith in me when I accepted you. You put a rock of faith in my heart that now you're stretching and you're testing. And as, when I come out of whatever it is, if I have to die in whatever, where I'm at right now, I'm going to come out of a faith. I'm going to come out of something that's going to be powerful and it's going to bring me into another place with you. Another, another level of confidence, another level where the gifts in the Spirit are coming out of my life and I'm a powerful force for you in your hands and by your hands, and look out, devil, God's coming through me. Satan challenges God in Job 1, 9-11. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. There is a hedge upon us. When you accept Jesus Christ, you come under the blessing and the hedge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a greater hedge than Job ever had. It doesn't mean things are going to be perfect, but there are sometimes the enemy comes in to intimidate us. And if we're not using our faith, I tell you, the enemy is beating us up. He's slapping us around. But when you rise up and you say, Satan, you get back in the name of Jesus. I am a child of God. I belong to the king. You get your hand off my family, my finances, my life, my job, my attitude, my love. You get back in Jesus' name. And you begin to thank God and worship God for who he is and what he's begun in your life. And I tell you, if, if the enemy is just doing things he shouldn't do, what you're doing is reestablishing the hedge that you have a right to through the name of Jesus. It is prayer that keeps our hedge covered. It is like five or six years ago, they told us at MFI, you need a hedge. The enemy has been working on your church trying to destroy, causing things going on. And we established a strong intercessors who pray for this church. They pray for the leaders. They pray for you. And so our hedges have been getting stronger. We've been seeing the evidence of what God's doing in our church prophetically, in miracles, in encouragement, and in doing the things that, we can, that cannot be done on our own, just by human effort or a, a religious intellect. It is the power of prayer. It is a hedge. And I tell you, increase your prayer. Since we're all going into a new, new level of war, increase your prayer. Increase the covering of your hedge. Increase the thickness. If you're toned to be affected by what's going on and you have a fear coming in, increase your prayer. Increase your prayer that when you're going out and fear would trying to be with you, you pray. 
you pray. I remember, some of you heard this story. When I was in 1969, as I was going into my senior year of high school, on Mount Rainier was in the 60s and 70s was the most places where the San Jose police went on the east side was always, there was so much drug things going on. People were getting raped in houses in our neighborhood. Uh, drugs were going on. My friends were being rat packed. It was bad. One night we came home from church and my sisters had been home and my, they got around my dad and they were trying to intimidate my dad, the drug dealers and people in our neighborhood. I was so upset. I went into my house. I got my 22 and I bring it out by the door because I thought if they're going to do anything, I'm going to be shooting people. That's how desperate I felt. But I tell you, that started something, that summer started something where a fear started, started trying to come on me. And I remember times I'd, I was so fearful, I still had to go to school every day, I still had to walk through the gangs and the, whatever was going on, but I did something. I began to take a yellow uh, legal pad, and I began to write every scripture that I saw about fear, and I began to write it down. And the enemy would tell me, they're going to get you, they're getting all your friends, look what happened to your dad, they tried to get your dad... He began to tell me, they're going to get you. And every day when I wake up, I'd hear that. When I begin to go to bed and I, I hear that, You're, they're going to get you. They're going to get you. And I just began to read the word. And I began to fight fear. And it took me nine months of my school year. And there was one time, there was two times, but this one time, my mom was out, my neighbors were out, and I had to walk through it. My mom said, I think that I thought today they were going to get you. I felt like they were going to get you. But she said something happened because as I walked, it's like something parted and they stepped away. But I went through that nine months, but it built a faith in me. It built a faith that God is our protector, and he's with us, and he's a man of his word. And if he says he's going to watch over you, read Psalm 91. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is a time we need to not be in any kind of fear. But walking through that time, I had to fight my own fear. I had to fight every day with that fear. When I went to school, I fought every day, but every day I'd go over the scriptures and I kept adding scriptures and I kept reading through the scriptures and the word began to wash away my fear, began to wash away and push back the darkness of the enemy and the lies he was telling me. And I tell you, when I came and when I ended that nine months of going through school like that, my last year of high school, I was never afraid to walk anywhere anywhere ever again. I never had a fear of something was going to happen to me. I never had a fear of being alone, that something was going to happen. And that came out of a fight with the word of God and my relationship with Jesus. You know, we, I like to say that everything is going to come easy. We have to fight the good fight of faith. We have to contend. We have to lay hold of those promises and those things that God has given us. And the enemy, every time you have a promise, fear and time is going to tell you it's never going to happen. It's going to happen for everyone else, or he's going to let you see someone get what you're waiting for and what you wanted, and he's going to laugh at you and say, you're not going to get it. No, you fight. You believe God for yourself. You fight and apprehend for what God has for you, and I tell you, you're going to experience it. 